Relevant content for our members by our members. This is TMC Connect. Happy Friday, everyone. Rich Swarbinski with the Mortgage Collaborative here once again with the rundown with Rob and Rich. Rob, you're already shaking your head at me. Sue's, are, Sue's beaming over here. You know, Rich, once again, you put somebody on the show who's going to make me look ornery. I guess that's not hard to do, but yeah. this is particularly uh, <laughs> distressing. Well, in my view, I'm right in between. I'm right between the two of you, which seems like a great place to be. So <laughs> good, good to see you guys. Did you, where are you on your screen? Where am I? I am in Siesta Key, Florida at the moment. No, 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 my- no, 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 no. On the screen. I'm in on the screen. I've got I've got Rich over here and I've got Rob over here. Oh, so. with my screen, I've got a huge Sue Woodard and oh, a God. huge Ritz Trubinsky, and I'm like, you are also on this show. Okay. I don't even see I don't even see myself. <laughs> Story okay, of my life, right there. Please reduce please reduce size of us. Nobody needs to see us that close up. Rob, where are you this week? I know you said you were going to be broadcasting from another unknown location. Some this is uh, this is my uh, backyard gardening shack, Rich. <laughs> according according to many, no, I am uh, I am in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I was in Nashville this morning, Knoxville earlier this week, and. Scottsdale, Arizona on Sunday and Monday. So it's been a, a whirlwind week and I'm speaking tonight at the Chattanooga Mortgage Bankers Association awards dinner. And they've got kind of like, they've got about 300 people wow. coming tonight, which is, which is something. So I'm in the uh, bluff arts district, which when you look at a map of Chattanooga, it's kind of the point where the river bends around, but Chattanooga has a very storied history when it comes to the Civil War because of its strategic location with waterways and railways and so forth. So the first time I visited this area was many, many years ago, going to Chickamauga and other battlefields in the area. So very interesting, very interesting history here. And it's a nice town. It's a nice, very nice town. All the Tennessee mortgage banking organizations are very active uh 300 people at chattanooga more i mean that's a it's a pretty serious number i guess it's not entirely surprising because the state of tennessee is flourishing right now big time big time uh we uh drove through a town on the way called uh sewanee which is the home of shoot southern southern college i don't know i forget the full name but just spectacular, just a gorgeous town, Sewanee. So if you're ever driving between Chattanooga and Nashville, check it out. It's uh, It was founded in 1858. It's just great stone buildings. And this area is, is right. I mean, Nashville, as we know, is out of control. And the national conference is there later this year. And I've been to some other conferences there. In fact, the, the eclipse, the anti-eclipse, the eclipse gate event with tmc happened uh, i believe in uh in nashville so yeah the, the whole all of tennessee you know it's that it's that whole state zero state income tax uh exactly thing that really helps 
Absolutely. And uh, Rob, good to see you again. And uh, this week, very excited to announce our special co-host this week, uh, longtime friend of the TMC Network, uh, one of the most well-known, well-liked leaders in our industry, real fintech thought leader, uh, senior advisor for our longtime partners at Total Expert, Sue Woodard. Sue, great to see you. It's so good to be here with you all. And it's going to be fun to see you live and in person in Miami before we know it. I, we were just talking before we went live. I think Rob and I are going to do the show live together uh, next week in Miami. So uh, it'll it'll be titled it'll be titled the rub down with Rich and Rob. Uh, but at least that's the, is that that's the working script name. So I don't know. I imagine it might change by then. <laughs> the rub. Well, what happens in Florida stays in Florida. That's what uh, that's what I understand. Although and you're you're in Florida right now. I'm in Florida at this very moment. We um, we got a place in Siesta Key, Florida, and so I'll be driving over to Miami. But Florida, I read, was the number one most. I read it in the Chrisman uh, commentary. The most migrated to state in 2021. In fact, that was the only crabby person that I've met in Florida. Was we actually U-hauled some stuff down here. And uh, we dropped off our little U-Haul trailer and the lady was real crabby. And finally she said, oh, I'm sorry. But she said, everybody's, I don't have a place to put this trailer because everybody's coming and nobody's leaving. <laughs> it's like, all right, fair enough. Yeah. It's a lot of people, a lot of people are on the move. I, in my opening paragraph today, I had a, uh, a link to a report that I think everybody on this call should read. And that was about how many millions of people are expected to move soon because of continued work from home uh, concepts and ideas and, and practices and so forth. So that, that'll be a, a very big topic for our industry. It already is a big topic about culture and how do you maintain culture in a work from home environment, especially with the ops staff being scattered. But anyway, we digress. Rich, I'm sure you've got some questions that you wanna to pose to uh, uh, our esteemed panel, our esteemed co-host today. Yes. And I, something I do want to dig deeper into that report, because some really interesting statistics just on uh, movement around America due to remote work and others plans to move due to remote work, which we'll get into as the show progresses. But uh, Sue, total expert. I remember when we first partnered with you guys, God, it was like probably four or five years ago now. And uh, you guys were not new, but you were gaining momentum. And now you fast forward to today. And I to me, at least, I think the difference between you guys and some others in the industry, when I look at technology vendors that have had success in the mortgage industry and those that have not had as much success, you guys are kind of what I like to call like purpose-built technology. You guys are built for bankers, for mortgage lenders, for a very specific reason. I think a lot of the problems we've seen our members have with technology are maybe related to tech providers or vendors that are trying to be in every space, mortgage being one of a bunch of them. I'm going to guess you're going to agree with me on that one. I'm going to totally agree with you on that one. There is something really special about being both purpose-built for an industry and also having that DNA in your company where you genuinely understand um, the pains and what you're trying to tie together. So yeah, it's about tying together sales and marketing, powering it with data and insights, and then putting things in place to help people take action. So, and and yeah, it's it's been a Interesting ride, Rich, when you think back to the beginning. I mean, I, I actually just um, was looking at some updated numbers and believe it or not, $1.1 trillion in mortgages came through Total Expert last year. So that was touching one out of four mortgages done in the United States was in Total Expert. 
And right now, Total Expert has 15 of the top 25 lenders, and I think just about 175 great lenders being served. So some really cool things happening. I remember, like it was yesterday, we met at the MBA secondary probably five years ago in New York at that crazy Marriott in one of those <laughs> tables right by the window that uh, that overlooks Times Square is you and Jeff Walton and Joe and a couple others. And I knew of you and Jeff and and had heard so many good things about you guys. I was about 10 minutes into that conversation where I had kind of decided in my head, like, this is a company we want to be aligned with. And fast forward was a good yep. move. So we, are. we felt the same way. So never looked back. Cool. And this type of climate going forward, which we're going to get into right now, I mean, to have a great marketing operating system. And like I was telling Joe last week on one of the calls, like, I don't like the as a CRM. It almost, not to, you know, demean the term CRM, but you guys really do a lot more than that. It is a full-blown marketing system. And this climate where it is just so imperative to generate business in every way humanly possible, uh, yep. a system like your guys, it's a, a good tool to have as we as we trudge yeah. forward here. Yep. It's about driving a great customer experience and actually driving a great experience inside your organization as well, right? Which is equally important, making sure you have a great organizational experience, driving a great customer experience. And it's all about getting the data, the intelligence and the automation. So, so it's, it's the, as we've talked about many times, Oh God, Rob, what is Rob showing us? Oh, the drug dogs The the it's each of the last three or four episodes, there's been dogs paying curious amounts of attention to Rob, who's been, been, been <laughs> my, back, my, my, my backpack. I, I you know, <laughs> I, I forgot once again. I forgot my patch, my pouch of edibles to to ward those canines off with. But anyway, <laughs> must I must be wearing milk bone underwear? Yes, uh, yeah, the dogs love you. So especially the ones in the uh, the airport, yeah. right? Yeah. So well, like like we were saying, you know, talk about uh, attraction, engagement. You know, I mean, they're clearly uh, attracted to Rob. So you know, yeah. however it works, man. But uh, no, we're just like I said, super happy to be here. Super happy to be a partner with TMC. So good stuff. Awesome, and looking forward to the conversation. Let's go ahead and get into it. Rob, no no shortage of craziness as usual as it uh, pertains to the world and as it pertains to our industry. Another worse than expected inflation number this week. And that's kind of saying a lot because the ex expectations on these inflation numbers are horrible. And I, the last four or five at least have, have been worse than expected. Um, very volatile interest rate market we saw upon the invasion in the Ukraine. 30-year fixed rates really jumped downward. Biggest moved downward in some years. Now they've shot right back up uh, into that four and a quarter range for 30-year fixed rates. And what you're seeing now is economists are now scrambling already to revise their projections for 2022, particularly around home price appreciation, which anybody that's listened to this show knows we've been spending probably too much time talking about. But all the economists now starting to revise their project projections with what we've been saying for months that there's show me something that is going to slow down the pace of home appreciation in America because I'm not seeing it at all. And sure as can be Zillow up from 11 to 17 percent projection on home price appreciation this year. Fannie Mae tends to be conservative, went all the way up into the 11s from seven something. So here we go. How do you assess things as we uh, as we get into the middle of March here? Well, Rich, today was today was a low blow for me. 
the bag of Doritos now contains five less chips. And on my road trips around the nation, Doritos are a staple. So the inflation, as we've talked about, as anybody who puts their mind to it can think about, you know, whether it's Girl Scout cookies or Doritos, whatever it might be, some kind of product, that there's different ways to deal with inflation. Either you raise the price or you substitute in cheaper ingredients or you lower the serving size. And so Girl Scout cookies reduced their package size some years ago. And now my, you know, I, I view Doritos as a food group. And now the number of chips per bag has been reduced. So the, the markets have been really in a state of tug of war, as is the Fed, dealing with inflation, dealing with Ukraine and Russia, the terrible attack by Russia on Ukraine. And through that all, though, it's still viewed as an environment where rates will slide higher throughout the year, obviously impacting affordability. And that's what some of the economists and some of the, you know, the, the, the smarter people in the room were saying was that when rates go higher, the affordability will be impacted and that'll push housing prices down. The problem with that, of course, is that, as we've talked about, the dem demographics just don't, just don't support that. And as rates slide higher, affordability will be impacted. But really, once again, when I do, do drive around the nation and look in these neighborhoods, I, I find myself seeing no for sale signs whatsoever. And so you can talk about inflation all you want. You can also talk about rent inflation. And that's what I'm hearing loan officers talk to their clients about uh, uh, is the rent inflation. The rent is not supposed to start going down. The rent will mirror inflation. And unfortunately, right now, you know, that's what we're seeing. And we're also seeing house price appreciation or, or expected house price appreciation outpace wage growth. So I made this point in my commentary earlier this week with the run-up in house prices, the wealth gap between the haves and the have-nots in our nation continues to widen, which is not a good thing. On top of that, and then I'll get off my soapbox and let, let Sue chime in. But if you think about who is paying for the gasoline price increase, it might not be Joe, Joe wealthy guy. It might be Susie working in the Marriott gal or Jose working in the kitchen at the diner and they have to commute, you know, half hour, an hour every day to get to that job. And the gas prices really hurt the lower tier of our economy. And it hurts the people in the service uh, sector, uh, especially hard on a marginal basis and so many of us are, are, are grateful we can work from home and we're not driving long distances. And even if we were to drive long distances, a dollar a gallon isn't a huge deal. But when you're making $14 or $16 an hour, making $35,000 a year, and you're, you know, you're, you're paying for 30 gallons of gas a month and it goes up a dollar a gallon, and suddenly that's $3,600 for the year, 
And if you're only making 36,000 a year, that's a 10% hit to your after-tax bottom line. And that's a real problem. That's a real problem. So that's what I'm seeing going on out there uh, with regard to with regard to inflation and the economy. You know, one just something I jump in with that is that gas also impacts the price of oil, impacts everything. It's not just what's going in our gas tanks. I know my cosmetics, my cosmetics. cosmetics. You know, I know it's a uh, it's crazy what I've heard about your eyeshadow, but um, but you know, you think about the price of your Doritos. You know, I mean, somebody's got to deliver those Doritos to you. Somebody's got to, you know, I mean, it just it impacts the price of absolutely everything. And I I appreciate you making the point that um, you know the 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 dollar that it you know or two dollars or three dollars or whatever it is now the gas has gone up um it's not reasonable for most people to again just oh just go buy an electric car just don't drive somewhere you know a lot of people don't have the opportunity to do those things they've got to drive to work and they've got to drive the car that they have so you know the the interesting point on inflation is that i i was looking at some numbers recently showing that inflation or real estate is a great hedge against inflation. And, you know, basically you just said it, rent is going to keep going up a fixed rate mortgage, although your taxes and insurance might go up, that fixed rate mortgage isn't. And right now, if I look at what my portfolio is, you know, my, my investment portfolio versus the real estate that I own, I wish I had more in real estate. <laughs> right. So, um, but again, it's, a, it's, I, I appreciate you pointing out, you know, again, investing in real estate is, is not on the table. For everybody out there. So it, it does increase that disparity between the haves and have nots for sure. If you just put 40 bucks in your tank every time and you're impervious to inflation. Oh What's God. that, Rich? If you just put $40 in your gas tank every time you fill up, you're, you're impervious to inflation. <laughs> you used to get half the gas, but you know, so um, yeah, but no, certainly inflation, but Sue, that's a great point. It is a great hedge against inflation. And Rob made the point earlier about rent prices, which keep skyrocketing, I, even more than home values in America. And it's not hard to see why you've had so much institutional investor purchase of homes in America. <clears throat> and it's in, you know, some are turning around and selling them, uh, reselling them. But others are seeing what we're seeing, a market that seems to indicate that there's nothing stopping home values for going up. So they're going to squeeze some juice out of the lemon on monthly rents for a while, let that run its course and see what happens. The, the numbers on rents going up are astronomical. And that's another part of my big belief that the prices of homes are going to keep going up astronomically in America, because it's still a better deal to buy than it is to rent right now. Even if you discount the benefit of your buying an investment that's going up and up and up and the hedge against inflation thing. Yeah, no, no question. As we've talked about, people, if they've, if they've got money, they would rather invest in real estate, which they can see and feel versus 100 shares of IBM or $100,000 of, of T-bills where you don't know, you know, if, if rates keep going up, your T-bond portfolio is going to go down in price and you'll get a better yield down the road. Uh, the stock the stock market has been all over the place with the battle uh, going on in Ukraine. And so, yeah, there's, there's, it's an interesting time. It's always an interesting time, right, Rich, to be investing. But I think it's important for us to keep in mind, and I'm not going to be too somber here, but it is a somber topic that we're sitting here talking about the price of gas going up. But the reason the price of gas is going up is because of Russia's 
aggression against Ukraine. And there are people over there dying, you know, every day they're, they're getting killed. And so it's important to keep things in perspective. And I like keep, keeping things in perspective. It's really too bad what's going on there, not only with regard to world, the worldwide economies and what's going on, but, you know, with just the, the catastrophic loss of loss of life, it's really, really bad. And inflation also impacting just location of humans across America factors as well, Rob. The survey that you linked in your newsletter this morning that we've linked in the chat uh, was done by Upwork. Uh, What it revealed is that 9.3% of Americans plan to move in the not too distant future because of remote work and being able to work remotely. Uh, equally as interesting in the study, uh, only 2.4% thus far that were surveyed have moved because of remote work. So that represents a much bigger pool of people that are getting ready or planning the move than have already because of remote work. Um, and 28% plan to move more than four hours away and some also some other underlying statistics about, not surprisingly, people wanting to move away from higher priced cities like San Francisco to places like Tennessee, uh, moving to lower price suburbs, uh, you know, the need um, to be connected to where they lived previously or major metropolitan cities and centers, not as important to people. And I think, uh, you know, we've, we've talked about this the last couple of years and now we're seeing it start to play out in statistics uh, with people relocating uh, because of being able to work remotely. And Sue, you guys sit on so much customer data uh, I'm assuming you're seeing the same things. Any other interesting trends of note uh, or any thoughts on the survey that we just mentioned? No, I mean, I I think one of the other obvious headlines that we were talking about a little bit earlier uh, relative to Tennessee is also uh, taxes. You know, if you have the the opportunity to, to go live in a state like Tennessee or like Florida where you don't have the state tax, it adds up pretty quickly. Um, and I think some of the, you know, I, I appreciate what Rob said, you know, a minute ago about the reality of some of what's going on in the world, because all of the things that we're talking about are pretty high class problems. Right. And I do think um, we're getting to this place where people have, um, I think there's less uncertainty around like, am I going to be able to stay working remote? You know, what is it going to look like for my, my child? And now I've already had them maybe in some cases, you know, not in school. And so I'm more used to, you know, there, there, a lot of the, the things that were in place are so disrupted that I think people are kind of pulling up and saying, hey, we've had this kind of fantasy for years about going off and living in the mountains. Hey, we actually could go off and live in the mountains because <laughs> we kind of know now what that might look and feel like um, to be in a, you know, kind of closed off from some of the things that we were used to. Um, so I'm not surprised by that at all, but I definitely would think um, taxes. Um, I know we don't want to get political, but I know there's a lot of people that want to live in a different, you know, a different state based on, you know, where they're politically affiliated as well. So it's interesting. Absolutely. So, and thus we find Sue Woodard in Florida. Thus we find Sue Woodard in Florida. I haven't pulled off six months in a day yet, but uh, that's uh, that's on my bucket list for next year. <laughs> right. It's it is interesting how people are voting with their with their pocketbooks as well. And there, are, I think, I think there are eight states in the United States that have don't have state income tax: Washington, Nevada, Texas, Florida, Tennessee. I think Wyoming is in there. And so, and I forget one or two others, but I never hear Wyoming as having a huge influx, but certainly places like Montana, 
for political reasons, but also just because of space reasons and so forth. But people are voting, voting with their feet and voting for lower tax situations and for, for quality of life. And what, what tends to happen is the inner core of some of these cities like San Francisco or Oakland, maybe even Manhattan, they are suffering because of that. I was at a, an event recently and had a table full of folks from Minnesota, Illinois, Wisconsin, Ohio, Indiana. And I said, who here has a place in Florida or is looking at buying a place in Florida? And everybody raised their hands. And I thought, wow, this is very telling. So the, you know, different parts of the East Coast and the Midwest had to put different parts of the Gulf Coast and Florida, different parts of California and the West might head to places like Las Vegas or Washington State. It's, it is interesting. I think we're just witnessing just like the last year or two, the start of something that could continue for a while until people get settled down. But once again, I go back to, and Rich has heard me, Sue, say this dozens of times, but when people make predictions about interest rates or predictions about almost anything, and you go back to the beginning of 2020, and anybody who was paying for interest rate predictions from early 2020, of course, those immediately went out the door with the pandemic and rates going down and house prices going up. And then we start 2022 and everybody's talking about higher rates and the economy is going to pick up a lot of steam and so forth and so on. And then Russia attacks Ukraine. You can't predict some of these things, some of these you know, outside influences on our economy. And so you know, you're, you're, we could talk about forecasts and predictions and so forth and what the Fed is going to do. And they're going to, sure, are they going to raise rates four times or six times and by a quarter point or half point? But the Fed is in the middle of the, of the things that we are talking about. They look at the inflation picture and the textbook says taper off security buying, which, they, which they're doing. In fact, I think today might have been the last regular day. And then, you know, start raising rates. But then with Ukraine and that situation there, gosh, you know, the world economy is in it. Could it be in a tailspin? In which case, the Federal Reserve, to keep the stability in our economy going, they're going to have to step in. Are they going to have to buy securities again just to keep rates low? They're really stuck between a rock and a hard place. And I think it'll be interesting to see what they say next week. They are supposed to come out with a quarter point raise. And then all of a sudden, everybody's saying, well, the real rate of interest, which is inflation minus the yield, if you just look at the 10-year yield, let's say it's 2% and inflation 7%, we're talking about a negative yield, a negative rate of return of 5%, that Treasury minus, I'm sorry, Treasury minus inflation, negative 5%. They're going to have to go a long way before there's a positive rate, real rate of return or bring inflation down. And they can't bring inflation down with what's going on in Ukraine. So uh, it's very, very interesting what's going on. And, and through it all, we're sitting here as an industry just trying to help, you know, the next borrower come up with a program or a decent rate on a cash out refi, or if they can find a house, you know, purchase situation. So as usual, Rich and Sue, interesting times. 
This is The Rundown with Rob and Rich. I'm Rich Swarbinski with the Mortgage Collaborative, joined as always by Rob Chrisman. And this week, special guest co-host, senior advisor for Total Expert, Sue Woodard. Sue, a record $4.4 trillion in originations last year. Who I, That still is it blows my mind that last year, 21, ended up being a bigger year than 20, which was the biggest crush of volume this industry has really ever seen um, right. in all months. It, we had a whole year of, of more sustained volume last year, ended up nosing it out. But so we move into 2022, certainly a different climate. I can't think of anybody that has been more at the forefront of like generating purchase business and um, technology and uh, strategies that do that. What would be your biggest advice right now as we go into a different climate, different tech, um, in a year where it's really going to be purchase only, there will be some cash out refi stuff, obviously that that, that yeah. pops in. But uh, you, your biggest advice to lending leaders and and loan originators out there as we get into the the spring buying season. Yeah, well, I, I tell you, it's we touched on this a little bit already, but it's about having the data, getting insights from that data, and then taking action on it because you know you just said it. Um, there's, you know, all these different factors happening, but, you know, the amount of people, for example, if you have this data, which again, this is part of what Total Expert does is really help you, you know, keep all your data and then understand that data so you can take action on it and serve your customers. Um, there's an incredibly high number of transactions taking place right now that are second second homes, investment properties, as we've been talking about, which also is fed by cash out refinances. That's where in some cases people are getting the money to make these investment property or second home uh, purchases. But you can't proactively act on those things unless you're really looking overall at, you know, kind of who's in your database and what's happening, not just being reactive. Um, So I would say that, you know, it's a a very smart time as lenders right now, or I know a lot of lenders are evaluating their tech stacks, right? People are concerned about their profit margins. They're looking at their tech stacks. Um, but, But now is the time that integrated technology, I think, is more important than ever, both from that data standpoint as well as there's a lot of interesting numbers coming out about the the customers demanding um, a different experience. You know, their their expectations are much higher. Um, If I've given you some data before, don't ask me for it again and again and again. You should actually not only know this data about me, but but help help me do smart things because you know all this data about me and I'm looking to you to be the market expert. And so I do think it's a smart time that as lenders are evaluating those tech stacks to really be paying a lot of attention um, you know, to those tools, like a total expert, of course, um, that is really enabling, um, you know, it's never enabling, uh, like removing a person from it. I know everybody's worried about staffing, you know, right now as well. Um, but Rob, I remember one of the comments on the panel that you were on at Snug last week, there was a comment made where a top producing loan officer was being repeated who said, I can't outwork a computer. So I've got a partner with technology to give me the information that I need. And then I need to be the person to have that human interaction, but I've got to have that technology running underneath to to feed and support what I'm doing. Um, So I would just caution lenders, don't look at your tech stack and say, oh, I got to get rid of all these things. I mean, now is the time to be really leaning into the technology that's serving you, that's creating a great customer experience and providing you that data to take action on. I'm Sue, congratulations. I have never heard the term tech stack used so many times in such a short period of time. So hats off to you. I'm sitting here. Oh, we'll, we'll do, we'll do the replay. Make it a drinking uh, game but, next time. So. But uh, yeah, tech stack, uh, bingo. But uh, 
I'm, I'm sitting here wondering to myself when you start, start talking about tech stack and technology and everybody talks about technology. I'm wondering, Sue, let me ask you this. When was the last time you heard a dial tone? I actually had, right. well, yeah. <laughs> didn't mean to, didn't mean to, you know, stump the, stumped me. Yeah. Yeah. Then, I don't know. Is that, is that one of those sounds like a, uh, putting a coin in the uh, payphone and hearing it go, go down there. Anyway, sorry, yeah. Rich, didn't mean to derail the show once again, but maybe I did. Oh, all good. And at the risk of using the term again, it is true. Our members are, that's the, if they're one thing they're doing more than anything right now is evaluating their technological infrastructure. Um, because I mean, nice. I found a different term. There you go. Um, you know, the last two years, it was just, it was, they were just throwing lots of things at their business, humans and tech. And, and then, you know, you get into this year and everybody's got big hopes. Last year wasn't supposed to be a huge year, right? So there's some of that optimism as we got into the holiday season, things are starting to slow down and nobody was expecting this start. Um, but now quickly into the year, it's become apparent it's going to be a different type of year and it's got leaders really examining their business top to bottom because um, they're out there right now trying to uh, engaging in a lot of different business development activities as well. If it's uh, you know, paying talent to come on board or uh, other ways to, uh, you know, drive new business through referral relationships. So causing them to look at the other side of the coin as well uh, on, on the expense side and the infrastructure side of their business. Yeah. And the technology infrastructure also can, uh, but it, it makes a difference for the people in your business as well, right? Like attracting, recruiting the right people, retaining the right people, um, your employee experience matters right now too. I mean, we know the labor market is another, you know, kind of interesting wild card out there as well. That's driving a lot of interesting, I mean, that's even driving some of the, the housing trends, right? I mean, people can, you know, they can get a job, you know, easy to get a job almost anywhere that you want. I mean, it's, it's like the opportunities are limitless. And so you start to think about these things, just again, what you put in place in your business and being very thoughtful about that, driving a great employee experience is just as important as the customer experience. The, the employee, the customer experience that you have is never going to be better than what your employee experience is. Right. Ooh, can I quote you on that, Sue? That was I, very pithy, very pithy. Was it? Well, I remember you your Doritos. So uh, some years ago, when people would ask me about technology, one of the big things that I would point out that IT people would tell me is when they were considering bringing on a new vendor, can that can vendor A talk to existing vendor B, or are we going to have to rejigger the whole system because A and B don't talk to one another, and we really like A and we really like B, and so we've got to figure that out. Now, as you know, as you alluded to there, the whole vendor ecosystem, what I like to call the tech stack, has, has migrated to, you know, just like everybody's talking to one another. Or you have vendors uh, in, the, in the vendor infrastructure, which I also like to say is uh, staring at me like I'm a loony over here. Anyway, talking about tech stacks, uh, that... Uh, uh, you know, they're, they're talking to one another in, in, in a very cost-effective way. And so the discussion of A, talking to B, isn't so much a uh, – uh, uh, taking my picture. Uh, I'm sorry. I, 
I, I, I get flustered when. You look like someone famous. <laughs> hey, isn't that Rob Christman? Standing in front of a random building in Chattanooga, Tennessee, uh, talking about tech stats. No, that's- <laughs> oh, paparazzi once again interrupt the show uh, it's, a, it's an interesting point though about integration which which is another pain point i know you've heard rich um, lenders probably talk about um so it is important for lenders or to for the vendor partners that are out there to continue you know keeping those integrations really strong and really dynamic um I know some, you know, are talking about trying to become more of the end to end and do absolutely everything. Um, but, you know, you, you often lose something, lose something in the sauce with that as well. So the integrations are important. Did you, uh, Rob, do you have to sign an autograph there? Or what, what just happened? Like. You'd never believe it. Anyway, go on, Rich. <laughs> this is the rundown with Rob and Rich. Got about 10 minutes left with Rob Crisman and Sue Woodard. And we're talking tech stacks and the paparazzi assaulting Rob and drug dogs assaulting Rob and uh, all things. I, you know, I, t- I take my life into my hands every time I go out in public, Rich. I mean, it's really I'm, I'm wondering. For, for, I need to tell you, Rich. So I'm sitting here. The, the clouds have been going by. I got the sun now. Next Friday, Rich. Pace yourself. You don't want to be sitting for an hour in the Florida sun ahead of the whole conference because you're going to, you know, you're going to, you're going to get all red and people will make fun of you. So bring sunscreen, wear a hat, or we'll be under one of those umbrellas. I'll bring some, I'll bring some sunscreen. I'll bring a, one of those suits that, uh, that if you get attacked by a dog, you don't get bit. Uh, and, uh, well, this, is, this is a really special moment of friendship. You know, I mean, I'm so glad that I could be a part of this. Yeah. It'd be interesting. Next Friday, broadcasting live in person from TMC Days, Miami Nights at the Fountain Blue, Miami Beach. Uh, yeah, just a week away. Uh, really looking forward to that and to seeing everybody and to seeing uh, and hearing the discussion. One of many things I'm biased, of course, I love about our conferences is it's such a pulse of the industry conference. No other conference do you have if it's partners of ours like Sue or friends of our network like Rob that are non-lenders that are sitting in sessions because you are getting the pulse of the mortgage industry, um, very granular topics, uh, very meaningful discussions between leaders nationally about the things that they are uh, struggling with, having challenges with, having, having success with. And you know, one of the things that's popped up recently is just the whole work from home thing. Uh, we're doing a session actually on Sunday. It's going to be great. It's going to be, I picked three lenders and I'm the moderator. We're doing it. It's going to be like a presidential debate. I mean, we're going to model it like directly after a presidential debate. One of the candidates is going to be representing work from home. One of the candidates is going to be representing work from the office exclusively. One is going to be representing hybrid. And as I was you know, doing some prep for the session and talking to some lenders, you know, what I'm finding is their opinions are evolving on what to do with the whole work from home thing. One, the pandemic is starting to die down a little bit. Uh, two, the work from the office thing, uh, you know, even if you were considering going in that direction because the pandemic is chilling, um, inflation, once again, kind of wreaking havoc with that as well. If it's the cost of gas, the cost of clothes, lenders telling me that employee A and employee B that, that perform the same role, uh, that employee A that works in the office 
is demanding a lot more money than the same exact employee that works from home because they have to pay for gas, they have to pay for clothes, they have to pay for childcare, they have to pay for pet care. So uh, another interesting dynamic uh, for our industry right now, and Rob or Sue, I don't know if you've heard anything uh, along those lines from your respective circles within the industry. Well, one quick comment that I'll share on that that I have heard from a lot of people is that one of the um, issues with this issue is that people have hired all over the country over the past two years, right? They've hired people all over. And so now they're saying to their local people, oh, you need to come back into the office. And they're like, well, wait a second. Like, you know, Joe out in Nashville doesn't have to come into the office. Why do I have to come into the office? And then you also get the issue of you're trying to have a meeting. Half your people are on a Zoom. Half your people are live. The live people start side talking. The Zoom people can't hear, you know, so you, you do end up with some kind of um, odd dynamics. And so my guess is it'll land somewhere in the middle uh, with the hybrid, but I don't know, Rob, what do you hear? I'm hearing the same thing. The, uh, the ability for people to not only work remotely, but also set their own hours, especially if you're an independent contractor or you're an underwriter expected to underwrite two or three files a day, does it matter if those two or three files are from eight to five or can they be from 4 a.m. to 8 a.m. and then again from 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. depending on you know your family schedule and the lifestyle of, of being able to work from home. I, mean, I, I, I tend to send the commentary out from some pretty nice places over time. I tend to send the commentary out from some pretty miserable places, uh, but here I am you know, in, in the sun, um, uh, being on this show and, uh, Rich, you will find this funny because I, this is the, these glasses are from the total solar eclipse glasses, August 21st, 2017. TMC so, Nashville. Here they are. Four and a half years ago. I remember we had our conference in Nashville when the eclipse went through and Nashville was right in the center. I forget what the hell it's called, but, the the direct path of the eclipse, but, uh, that was pretty cool. But, uh, so, so these are the bonus treats that rich relies upon me to do, you know, the eclipse glasses and the, sure. yeah, there you go. Yeah. And the, and the, and the prop, the guy taking my picture anyway, but inflation getting back to it, it's what it's doing for lenders. that I'm talking to is it the work from home versus the work in the office thing. I, I I think a lot of lenders wanted to try to get people back in the office, but now they're seeing it's so much more. It's this decision you have as a leader. Culture, much, much easier in person. So versus efficiency. And with inflation rising and every the price of everything rising, it's making the efficiency of work from home all the greater. It obviously gives you a lot more flexibility in who you hire and uh, all that too. But uh, it's really bringing it into the forefront. Rob? Rich, you, you talked about this presidential debate, quote unquote, of, uh, of, of one person, work from home, hybrid, work, return to the office. Are the companies that, that they work for actually uh, actually doing those things or is it just they're representing positions like a high school debate, you know, in favor of abortion, anti-abortion? They don't have an opinion on abortion or is no. it, are these companies actually doing this? No, they're actually doing it. I mean, so we picked okay. three companies and three entertaining, very smart people um, that will be representing those positions. And it, it's going to be it's going to be really good and uh, looking forward to it. And should I didn't fun. get the nod for that panel. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, you work from, you know, in front of prisons and random right. buildings and <laughs> drug dogs. So, but, yeah. uh, so, uh, and, you know, and lenders are also thinking about this too, because, you know, let's just not beat around the bush. There's been a lot of layoffs in our industry and more coming. Some make the headlines, some don't. And is who is better dot com? The, the, I can't believe what's going on there. The latest is go with, like, before they, the latest round of layoffs, the severance paperwork was in the employees, like HR, like where you log on to look at your pay stubs before they told them what the hell is going on at this company. I mean, it's, uh, I, I can't even. No wrap. joke. Yeah, I think they should rebrand as worse.com. Worse.com. Right. Exactly. <laughs> It's a train wreck. Uh, <laughs> right is a, they're trying to go public. It could not be more funny. Well, funny unless you unless you were an investor, but <laughs> it's it's or you're like an investor somehow. But there are there are some companies that you want you don't mind if they succeed. Your competitors, if you admire that company, you respect that company, you're okay with them succeeding as long as it doesn't eat too much of your market share. Maybe you know. I mean, there's respectful. Uh, uh, you know, competition with better.com. They came in and I hear that as I travel around, no one could give, excuse my, well, I'm not going to go there, but no one, no one gives a darn about unfortunately better.com company. I think they care about some of the employees who work there, but really the company that came in and we're going to revolutionize mortgage lending. We're going to undercut everybody, you know, it's not like they can defy the laws of capital markets and of supply and demand. And, you know, their cost to originate is whatever it is. And it wasn't so much better than everybody else's. And now they're paying the price. Thousands of people have been laid off. And it's really too bad for those individuals and those families. Fortunately, the job market is very good right now. But I would say that the number of people who feel sorry for better.com's woes are minimal minimal i would agree with you it's more a cautionary tale like how how not to case study right. Uh, right exactly case study on uh how not to go public uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh boy uh what else got a few minutes left here baseball's back uh, march madness and the masters around the corner tmc miami daylight savings it will stop being dark in cleveland at 4 30 p.m Looking forward to that, although not looking forward to losing the hour. Sue, anything in there that uh, strikes your fancy? Oh, I'm excited about March Madness. This is like one of my one of my favorite times of year. I'm not in a bracket this year, though. Like I, I'm going to have to like make my own at home bracket. But uh, no, it's it's going to be a good time, and I'm really looking forward to being at TMC. It's it's been fun getting together. Like we've we've been able to see each other at a you know few places, and there's a lot of you know talking about again kind of remote being together, not being together. There's power in getting together at something like a TMC conference where you're able to just uh, connect and and engage in a different way. So yeah, total experts excited to be there, be a part of it, and I am too. Loving it, Rob. I I, I wonder if the uh, I have two comments. Both, both ornery. Is it? Is, are, have we seen the demise of the Super Bowl pool when, you know, Frank from the mailroom would walk around the office with the Super Bowl pool and everybody buys a square or two squares or however many squares they want to buy. Then they draw the numbers and everybody takes it home and roots, you know, 
for the score. If we, if we, is, is the Super Bowl pool, office Super Bowl pool gone? And then the second question is, Sue, you like March Madness. Am I wrong in saying that March Madness used to be in March? Used to start like earlier in March and, and take up most of March? Or was it always like, we're almost halfway through March and, and it really hasn't started. No, you're, you're right. I, I, that's the way I remember it was, this is, this was March. So I don't know. I mean, maybe it's uh, I, I think, I think it's, it used to be that I, they've slowly moved it back, at least for like the last 10 years. I think the championship game has been in early April, like, like all sports, they're bleeding out some extra games at the end of the year, right. more money. Yeah. So every, you know, there's more teams that get in the tournament, you know, now. So it's just been slowly extended a little bit over time to where, uh, yeah, but you're right. This is a late start. Uh, yeah. You know, the official start, I guess, would be next next week. Uh, but, yeah, it is kind of a later start. So, yeah. so I, uh, Rich, you always ask what I'm doing. If I can fly out of here tomorrow at 6 a.m., as I hope, I get to uh, see the Warriors play the Milwaukee Bucks tomorrow night in, in uh, San Francisco. Ooh, that's a good Take, game. Uh, taking my kids to the game, if nice. I can get there. I'm actually, so, after this show, heading to Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse in downtown Cleveland, uh, where you just were for the All-Star game. Uh, I'm going to be in Rob Crisman-esque seats, but it's for the Mid-American Conference uh, semifinals, not the NBA All-Star game. Toledo versus Akron and uh, Kent State versus Ohio University. Me and uh, my, the two teams. That'll be fun. That'll be yeah. good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. College hoop is uh, good stuff. So, and Tom Gallucci, our very own, a Toledo grad. I, I knew he'd be excited about that. So, um, well, we're about out of time. Sue, any weekend plans? You're down in Siesta Key. What did what, uh, what do you got going on this weekend? I just got a. You know what? I have some friends coming into town, but I got a text yesterday from Brian View at Finlocker, who said he is for some reason going to find himself in Siesta Key tonight, <laughs> looking for restaurant res- uh, recommendations. So. Enjoy some sun and then head what to about the, you do the, the, the Sue Woodard limbo uh, uh, pit in your backyard, right? Don't you have some kind of limbo pit? We uh, do. It's near- a, yeah, it's a it's a whole it's a competition kind of multi leveled. Um, yeah, it, it, it kicks off actually this weekend. So thanks for remembering that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, as always, uh, fun discussion, uh, Rob, as always, uh, good talking about the industry with you and looking forward to seeing you in person, uh, a week from now. So I'll hit you up, uh, as we get ready to head to Florida and, uh, Sue, uh, always enjoy, uh, talking about the business with you. Appreciate you. you being on the show. Looking forward to seeing you in Miami in a week and uh, so appreciate your huge role in just uh, the TMC and Total Expert longtime partnership and all the TMC lender members that uh, you guys have uh, really helped out and will be a huge asset too as we go forward into uh, a market where having that type of marketing operating system is really going to be vital. Absolutely. Well, it's absolutely our honor and I'll look forward to seeing you all next weekend. Awesome. Yeah. To our attendees. Thank you, Sue. Thanks, as always, for joining us every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern, the Rundown with Robin Rich next week, broadcasting live from the Fountain Blue Resort in Miami, Florida. Until then, have a great weekend and great rest of the week, everyone. Take care. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys. Bye. For more information about how you can get involved with TMC Connect and witness the power of the network firsthand, please visit us at mortgagecollaborative.com.